You're listening to another wrestling episode of Tap Outs and Touchdowns, featuring your guy, Bully Rye, and PJ Steven, presented by Anchor Podcasts. That's right, everybody. It's another wrestling episode of Tap Outs and Touchdowns. As always, it's your guy, Bully Rye, and for the wrestling episodes, our wrestling show co-host, PJ Steven. PJ, how's it going today, bud? Oh, it's going fantastic. I got home from a long day at work. And I forgot we were recording today until you said, hey, we still recording? And I said, yes, because I'm so ready to talk about our two topics. Of course, it's my favorite time of year with the G1 Climax. We've been going over highlights, so can't wait to get into that. And, of course, we're going to continue on in my time machine back to 1997, where we're going to just keep on moseying through the summer until we eventually, hopefully, get to SummerSlam. I don't know if that happened in this episode. We have a lot to talk about. A lot of nice debuts, a lot of great promos, and just more wrestling history for one of my favorite times in pro wrestling. Yeah, PJ mentioned he's been at work all day. Um, we talked off the air, and I'll, I'll go ahead and let, let everybody in. I uh, I decided, I guess we should mention that we, we, we both have stuff going on, which is why we couldn't do the live show this week. So we're recording on Sunday night. Uh, fortunately, no wrestling pay-per-view or premium live event taking place. Um, but I decided to do yard work on the hottest day of the year in the state of South Carolina. So, um, yeah, I, t- I kept having to take breaks because I didn't want to have a heat stroke. The weekend prior, if you remember me talking about on the show, I didn't have air conditioning for the weekend, so I had to put it off. Um, and so about five hours in, in the yard. I've, I've got some sun today, so that was fun. I guess it's a good thing that I cut off sleeves for for old work t-shirts that i've got to uh you know um prevent the the really bad farmer's stand but yeah both of us are uh got a lot of stuff in 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 the works and a lot of stuff going on so that's what we're recording on sunday uh and and to pj's point we're back in the time machine this week but before we get there uh the last few weeks that we've had the show the curtain call has been updates with the g1 climax but the g1 climax has come to an end uh, for 2023, and we figured rather than give it just the last part on the show, we're going to give it its own segment. So to open up the show, the opening bell, if you will, we're going to talk about the G1 Climax Finals. And in order to do that, I'm going to turn it back over to PJ Steven because he has done a lot more watching of the G1 Climax than I have. So PJ, take it away. Let us know about the – I know you want to talk about the quarterfinals, the semis, and the finals, so let's let's hear all about it. Yeah, so I'm not going to go back and talk about the other matches that we did not hit. Uh, I will for I will for a little bit talk about the great match between um, because I want to mention this for you. It's not a quarterfinal or anything, but it was the night before the quarterfinals. It was night 16, and your pick was Jeff Cobb, who was in the running to really um, win that block there. Uh, until he had a match with Shane Haste, who was part of uh, TMDK, of course, with Zack Sabre Jr. and Michael, uh, Mikey, Mikey Nichols. And that ended in a double countout because Shane Haste held Jeff Cobb down so the referee would count so that Jeff Cobb would only gain one point. Therefore, Zack Sabre Jr. Jr. having uh, more points than him, having a chance to succeed later on in the tournament. I texted Listen, you that, and you were yeah, pissed. <laughs> I was... Uh, listen, I'm I'm gonna just gonna say this. Like, I know that, and, and it's 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 well known. Uh, unless you're eight years old, uh, or one of these marks that are still walking the walking the streets with neck beards, and they, you don't shower that often. You might live in your mom's basement, or whatever the case is. We all we all are, are well aware that these things are predetermined. Um, but it's it's G- New Japan more than any other uh 
organization in the in the world does a really good job of keeping you guessing. Now, granted, if you looked at, at the blocks, you kind of had an idea of who could come out of these. But when Jeff Cobb started off so hot, I was so excited and genuinely rooting for him like I was rooting for like a football team. Like I wanted to see the Lions go to the Super Bowl. I wanted Jeff Cobb to go all the way to the G1 Climax. So when I found out how they had him miss the semis uh, and, and miss winning his, his block in the G1 tournament, I was so angry. Like, how are you going to do this to this guy who you just let like absolutely take over this tournament Again, to another uh, another sports reference, it's like a, a it's like a golf tournament. You're up by four strokes on Sunday, and you just completely crap the bed down the back nine and lose the tournament on the on the final day. Uh, it was just yeah, it was really really disappointing for me. But Jeff Cobb definitely won some points doing what he did in this tournament, and I'm I'm hopeful for the future for Jeff Cobb, even if it's not in New Japan. Um, I, I think Jeff Cobb can, can really do something for himself, and I'm, I'm hopeful that he gets that point in New Japan because it's something we, you may get to and you may not. Um, but the United States Championship from New Japan, the IWGP United States Championship, uh, has – I don't know if it's officially been changed, but the, the U.S. Championship is now the United Kingdom Championship for, for New Japan. So uh, either way, I'd love to see what Jeff Cobb can do. Maybe I – know, I know they're in the same, they're in the same faction – um, but there's 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 things out there that Jeff Cobb can go accomplish uh, beyond this this tournament. Well, we're going to talk about Jeff Cobb at the end of this of the tournament because something happened with him that obviously you didn't know about, or else you probably oh sweet let's oh, go you, I'm excited you, pro you probably would have mentioned it but here we go okay so I do want to mention Jeff Cobb ended up with nine points not bad at all uh, I also want to go over um, the that what you just mentioned. Uh, something really funny that I saw today, CM Punk ended up tweeting or commenting on the UK title change uh, and said, you know, it's disrespectful. You can't just change a belt. Uh, Antonio Inoki should fire you. So here's my thing. He's obviously trolling because he just changed his AEW belt, blah, 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 blah. Oh. But, what's, but, what's, but what's not trolling is, do you think he thinks that Antonio Inoki's still alive? Uh... I or, would, or I wouldn't or, be surprised. Or is he just like he should fire you? Ha ha ha! Just but he can't because he's dead. Like where's the joke at for that? I, I get I get the the you can't change a belt. Ha ha ha! Who does that? And I I'm with that. That hilarious. But like him saying Tony Anoki should fire you, that I don't get. And maybe I'm reading too much into it. But it just reads again that CM Punk is a moron. Um. I can't. I I want to touch on this. Even if he knows that Inoki is 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 passed away, like this is this is this shows all all the more evident how just how much of a crappy dude CM Punk is. Like yeah, yeah. If, if he if he terrible. if he doesn't know Inoki is no longer with us. Then shame on him because that's that's huge news in the in the world of wrestling. I think WWE even made a made a a little video about Antonio Inoki. Absolutely. So for someone like CM Punk to just if he knew about it, troll it, and if he didn't know about it, shame on CM Punk is a joke. Phil Phil Brooks uh, does not need to be on television. Uh yeah. that's it's why he got booed out of the stadium in Greenville. I, I'm assuming that Greensboro let him talk, but uh, if if CM Punk 
never showed up on AEW again, never showed up on WWE. I, I hope he doesn't ever make amends with WWE and go into the Hall of Fame because I feel the same way that I do about Phil Brooks as I do Ryback. They can both stay away. <laughs> they can both stay away from professional wrestling. They can both stay away from my my, my feed, my timeline, whatever the case is. Uh, and he can, he can go in the sunset with his with his really cute wife. I know he's got a job working heels now that the show on on uh, Cinemax or Showtime, whatever it's called. Uh, but but he he can stay over the acting uh, the acting lane, so I never have to see him again because I'll make sure not to watch anything that he puts out. I agree with that. Um, getting away from uh, CM Punk and actually talking about pro wrestling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I want to. No, it's fantastic. I want to mention before I get into the quarterfinals and the finals. I know you guys are itching to hear about this, but I just got to touch on this one more time. Uh, this this particular G1 had a lot of criticism because of the finals being. Uh, spoiler alert: were Kazuchika Okada and Tetsuya Naito, and all I could hear is, "Oh, this may have been again," or "Oh, these are the same people again." I want to go through real quick. Shane Haste, Alex Coughlin, David Finley, Eddie Kingston, Michael Ni Mikey Nichols, uh, Aaron Hirane, Hirane, uh, or Tonga Loa. It's, is it Hirane or Hinare? Hinare. You're right yeah, the first time. There you go. Um, Great Okan, Hikaleu, Yoda Suji, Rin Narita, Kaito Kiyomiya, Shota Umino. Gabe Kidd. All of those names were this is their first G1. That is more than the people who have, or than the wrestlers who have been in the G1 before. Those names that I just named uh, overpass, if you will, uh, the, the, the amount of wrestlers who have been in the G1 before. Now, it's not the same old thing. And these, you know, you could say that, yeah, maybe Osprey should have won because he it would have been his first one. I don't disagree with that. But what did I say from day one that it was going to be Tetsuya Naito because he still has a story to finish with their champion, Sonata. I want to also mention, David Finley won the C block. So he's he first time first time in the G1 and he wins the C block. It's pretty, pretty sweet. That's making, that's making new talent. That's making new superstars, if you will. Hukaleo. Came in runner-up for the A block with eight points. Yoda Suji, seven points. Rindarita, six points. Kaito, six points. Shota Umino, six points. And all the way at the bottom, Tormo, Tor, Tormo, oh, Tomohiro Ishii, four. There it is. Toro Yano, four. Uh, Yoshihashi, four. And Chase Owens, four. All veterans of the G1. Um, Gabe Kidd with five points. Shane Haste with five. Mikey Nichols with four. Alex Coughlin with six. I'm just saying these new competitors for the G1 got a lot of shine. And when we talk about Jeff Cobb, Jeff Cobb went over on Tetsuya Naito on night two of, of the G1. So to, to say that it's the same old thing and to say that, uh, well, you know, they don't do anybody different and they, they, they don't make stars, I think is the silliest thing. And I think Yoda Suji is the biggest example of, of making stars. He was just a young lion putting packs on the wrestlers after they were done in the matches. Now he's a formidable part of LIJ. He's got seven points. He's already challenged Sonata for the IWGP uh, heavyweight champion back in Dominion. I think that it's insane to suggest that New Japan Pro Wrestling doesn't make stars. Speaking of making stars, we're going to talk about the stars of the quarterfinals right now because I'm I'll stop complaining. 
Uh, night 17 was the uh, quarterfinals when you had Tetsu United defeating Hikaleo. Great match. Uh, you always forget how tall Hikaleo is. And I remember oh, yeah. him live in Charlotte. Just insane. Uh, Will Ospreay defeated David Finley. Did not expect that, actually. I expected David. they, they were going to put David Finley over, but that's okay. I was happy Will Ospreay went over. This is the upset. Evil defeating Sonata. So Evil has pinned the champion now uh, in the quarterfinals. I was really disappointed about that. Evil's basically your top heel in the company right now. It's just the way it is. Um, a lot of gaga, a lot of interference, but Evil at the end of the day, when all the um, when all both uh, teams were down, uh, just five guys and House of Torture, Evil pinned Sonata clean. Even after all the Gaga, it was kind of strange. Uh, and again, of course, Kishishiko Okada defeating Zack Sabre Jr. in a hell of a match. The semifinals had uh, Okada defeating Evil after Evil beat the living dog crap. That was close. Out of, out of Okada. Uh, man, what a great match. But Okada went over here. Then we had Tetsuya Naito, Tetsuya Naito and Will Ospreay in a 30-minute match. Listen. This match was incredible. I highly recommend paying a couple bucks. I think it's nine bucks um, for New Japan Pro or, or excuse me, New Japan World just to see this match. It was insane. There was a kick to Naito that looked like it concussed him. Um, you really thought Osprey was going to win there, but after the couple of Destinos, uh, Tetsuya Naito um, wins. And that's your final. Tetsuya Naito versus uh, Kishishiko Okada. I watched it this morning. I woke up at midnight to come out here and watch the um, and watch the finals. Something I think I the better question is, why did you wake up at midnight? Why weren't you still awake? Because uh, I had to work at... Well, I well, okay. So I had to work at 5 in the morning. So if I would have stayed up, gotten a little bit of sleep, and then got up, it wouldn't have made sense. So I just went to bed around 7, woke up around like midnight. Midnight, one o'clock, and then came what, out here. How how old you are? I'm almost. I, I turned thirty in two days. Thirty, thirty, and you're going to. Oh man, I got nothing. I got nothing. I gotta wake up. I gotta wake up for New Japan Pro Wrestling. I gotta wake up for the greatest pro wrestling in this galaxy. I said that today in the wrestling movement. New Japan Pro Wrestling is the best quality of wrestling you're ever gonna see, and there's it's bar none, and it's not even close. Uh, that being said, uh, the uh, the match before the main event, you had House of Torture, Dick Togo, Show Evil, and uh, Takahashi defeating just five guys, uh, Duki, Sonata, um, uh, Tachi, and Kanemaru. After that, they actually handcuff Sonata, them as in House of Torture, handcuff Sonata to the ropes, and Evil walks away with the IWGP heavyweight champion, leaving Sonata handcuffed. He has challenged Sonata to the in the next pay-per-view for his IWGP heavyweight champion, citing that, hey man, I pinned you in the G1. That means I get a title shot. So Evil is now good. He has the title. It's obviously not his, but he has the title. And Sonata's gonna try and get it back. Now, Tetsuya Naito defeats Okada. Like I said, amazing match. Tetsuya Naito is your G133 winner. It was an incredible match, man. You know, you can talk all day about how many times these guys have been in the main event. By the way, they've only faced 11 times, and John Cena and Randy Orton fought 30 or 23. Uh, but anyway, um, it's just incredible rivalry. It's fantastic. It's second to maybe Okada and Omega as rivalries in New Japan. I love it. Uh, let's get to the Gaga at the end. We have a Masanira Chono coming out to present Tetsuya Naito with the flag. And Masahiro the Chono's back to, to do that? That's incredible. Yeah, he was he was a commentary, but then he came oh, in. Oh man, just to, 
he he came in just to give the the flag and the trophy to Tetsu Naito, and they did the uh, I the Lij pose, which just oh that blew my mind. It was so fun. Oh um, man. So that was really cool. So the backstage interviews, we go and Tetsuya Naito is doing his promo, and all of a sudden we hear clapping coming from the side, and it's Mr. Jeff Cobb who comes out and says, "Listen, I pinned you. I pinned you in the G1. So uh, I'll be challenging you um, for your right to main event Wrestle Kingdom at the next pay per view." Let's go, dude. And Naito says, you want to challenge, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll accept that challenge. And Jeff Cobb goes, it'll be soon. That's it. He said, it'll be soon. Until then, enjoy your victory. But just watch your back, you know. And then he does the United Empire pose and walks away. So, Jeff, I mean, they're, they're, they're doing something with Jeff Cobb there. God, Jeff that's Cobb's going to get some shine. Don't worry. That's incredible. So, so let me ask you a question. Like, there's a lot of dirt sheets in American wrestling. Like, there's always rumors going around. Is sure. there any is there any rumors about when this match could take place? Like what what event this could take place? Uh, it, it will probably so they take a big break here because you got to remember, you know, New Japan doesn't have a, week, a weekly show. They have New Japan Strong, but they don't have a weekly show with a lot of their main guys. They 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 have a limited schedule. Yeah, which is another reason that they take so long to um, hatch talent like that. I think like I mean you know they they go through the um, the young lion uh, training for several years. It's not like it's not like developmental NXT and, and WWE where they're there for a couple of months and then you know maybe they're on the main roster. The young lions, man, the dojo, uh, the New Japan jo- dojo get, takes years, man. I mean, it, it's insane and uh, definitely nothing that I could do. Good God, I couldn't even. Well, anyway, um, but uh, in September we're going to be on the road to destruction. That's pretty much your road to Wrestle Kingdom, which is great. Um, and then let's see, October, let's see, October to November, we get like, uh, they haven't put it on the schedule yet, but I believe then we're going to get Sakura Genesis and then we'll get, um, more just road to wrestle kingdom kind of stuff. So I want to bet that it'll be at Sakura Genesis, that match along with evil and Sonata going at it. Um, uh, really great stuff is happening in New Japan. Uh, this is another reason I really love the G1 because, like the Royal Rumble, this is where the road to Wrestle Kingdom starts. In fact, Kevin Kelly did a big slip up at the end of this event this morning. He said, oh, no. "He said we are now on the road to WrestleMania." And I oh was, no, I thought he was kidding. And then Chris Carlton goes, "You're on the road to what?" And Kevin goes, "I blame you for that. You messed me <laughs> up on that." <laughs> and he's like, we were on the road to Wrestle Kingdom. And Chris goes, that's better. That's better. And uh, very, very funny. If you don't know who Chris Carlton is, he's this dorky guy from the UK. He's very skinny and pale. He looks like a anorexic Frodo, but he's such a great commentator. He's hilarious. And he's basically the um, Japanese um, translator. When Japanese wrestlers are talking, doing promos, he'll translate for the English commentary. And he is just hilarious. I love the guy. I've met him once. Um, and he, him and Kevin Kelly make uh, a great, great team. So I thought that was super fun. But uh, that's enough of the G1. I, I really am passionate about the G1, watching it every year. As I've said, it's not about the winning and the losing. Uh, it's literally about the quality of matches. The matches this year have been just so great, man. I mean... You really don't, as you said, you know, you really don't know where they're going. They're going left and then they swerve and you take a right. And it's not, the difference is 
they do twists and turns, but not with Gaga, just with their wrestling. You know, all it takes is one move, and you're like, "Up, oh, that did the thing. He's he's done." And 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 then he comes back. You know, I mean, it really is terrific. It's just like you know, a big example. Uh, I'll I'll talk about this match, and then we'll move on. Uh, in the early uh, matches of this G1, it was Will Ospreay and Taichi. Taichi is part of just five guys. I've never really been a big fan of his, but he's he's a really good wrestler. Uh, his gimmick is just really goofy. Um, Will Ospreay was tearing up Taichi, but Taichi got one kick to the temple and it knocked Will Ospreay's equilibrium off the rest of the match, and Taichi was able to pick up the win. And it, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, the difference between this, in my opinion, this and WWE and a little bit of AEW now at this point is these guys just can't have a bad day. They can't just have a bad match. They're they're superstars. They're 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 above that. You know, one little kick to Roman uh wouldn't have cost him anything. It's just another kick. But in here it's a it's a little bit more realistic in the way of like well, all it takes is that those three seconds, and that's all. I mean, that's all it takes. And I really—that's that's another reason I really enjoy uh, watching New Japan over um, the two big promotions right now, AEW and uh, and WWE. Plus, um, there's no tribal combat and there's no chainsaw matches, so New Japan Pro Wrestling wins in that aspect. But uh, speaking of Gaga, we're gonna get into a lot of Gaga when we start talking about. Monday Night Raw and WWF 1997. And I think that's yeah. what uh, old Frick is going to get into right here in a minute. Yeah, before we get into that, we're going to take our one and only break of the show. When we come back, we're going back into PJ Stevens' time machine from WWF 1997. Stay tuned. We'll be right back right here on Tap House and Touchdowns. This episode is brought to you by Carolina Business Equipment. With offices in Charleston, Greenville, Columbia, and Florence, Carolina Business Equipment can supply your copiers, computers, and printers anywhere in the state of South Carolina. Call my personal best friend, Aaron Thompson, at 843-452-8761 for a quote today, and make sure you tell him that Ryan from Tap House and Touchdown sent you. Carolina Business Equipment, you worry about your business, let us handle your technology. Established in 2008, One Stop Repairs in North Charleston, South Carolina is your one-stop shop for all of your electronic repair needs. Specializing in cell phones, tablets, computers, laptops, and game consoles, One Stop Repairs offers reputable and quality service with the quickest turnaround time and the most competitive prices in the low country. You can find them on Google with an exceptional 4.9 star rating or on Facebook by searching for One Stop Repairs. Call for a quote today at 843-343-6310. That's the number one one-stop repairs. This is Derek Pauly, a.k.a. Volley Pauly, from the Pauly's Pick'ems podcast, and you're listening to Tap Outs and Touchdowns. All right, everybody, we are back to the show. A different format that we normally do. We're in the main event now. And we are talking WWF 1997, part four of PJ Stevens' Time Machine. Uh, you know, we, we're basically doing this the rest of the show. I, I had contemplated trying to make time to talk about about the bloodline and that situation. You sort of brought it up with Tribal Combat at the end of the last segment, but we're, we're going to okay. save that for next week. That's we're going to okay. save, the, yeah, we're going to save okay. that for next week, and we're going to get into WWF 1997, 
part four. So as I did with the G1, I'm going to take a step back, PJ, and let you get into your time machine. So take it away. You said you want to talk about the bloodline next week? Yeah, we'll talk about the bloodline next week. Okay, I can't record next week. Oh, good, good, good to know. I'll get, I'll get, I'll get Michael Davis to fill in, or, or I'll get Dez to fill in. Uh, to to when, oh, when you don't want to talk about the bloodline. No, oh, brother, listen to you. I don't mind the bloodline. I just hated the SummerSlam. We talked about it. I'm not going to yeah. talk about it anymore. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I think we left off right at the end of King of the Ring, pretty much. Uh, we talked. Uh, we also left off with. Uh, Paul Bearer announcing that Kane is alive, everybody. Kane, or no, he didn't mention Kane is alive. He did mention that Kane existed. Now he's dead because the Undertaker killed him. And Paul Bearer had sex with Undertaker's mom. And it's a bunch of it's a bunch of stuff here. Uh, we're, getting, <laughs> we're getting into a lot of crazy things here, but it, it ends up being probably uh, one of the coolest storylines in WWF history. We're gonna kick it off here, guys. Um, King, at King of the Ring, of course, we talked about uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Hunter Hearst Helmsley is your King of the Ring. We also talked about Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold uh, in a singles match for control of the WWF Championships. That feels really familiar because we see that in about a, a year with WCW doing that with Sting and the Giant. Isn't that so fun? Uh, it ends up being a double disqualification, and Shawn Michaels ends up getting injured again. Uh, and Stone Cold uh, keeps the belts, and he's looking for a partner. Who could that partner be? We're going to find out later on. The first thing I want to talk about is uh, in 97, they did a three- to four-part uh, interview segment with JR interviewing Mankind. Now, do you remember Do you remember these? I do. They were, they were sort of like I – I wouldn't call them like groundbreaking, but it was definitely uh, – it was, it was definitely something that – they they had they had sort of gone away from for a while and they they would go away and come back. It's not something you do every yeah. week, but it was I, I definitely remember them uh, because they were entertaining and they sort of it was one of those first times where you got to see more of who he was outside of his character. Like like especially if you didn't come from his past. Like if you if you only saw him in WWE, you didn't know what he did in ECW and in WCW. Yeah. So this was this was my introduction to Mick Foley, if you will. You know, I think that those interviews were groundbreaking, groundbreaking in my opinion, because it did give a little bit of a not a softer side, but a more real side to mankind. Um, I think it solidified that he would be a bona fide WWF star. Uh, we hear a lot about his ECW, uh, as you just mentioned, but we also hear about him just being a legend in hardcore wrestling. Um, I, I, you talk a lot about Cactus Jack, and um, you talk about how um, he first started. He wanted to be Shawn Michaels, and he came out as Dude Love, who was. And he got to see those home movies. That yeah, he, they got to see the yeah. home videos. Now the great. story. The story with that is that he had mentioned that, and Bruce Pritchard said, I got to get a, a hold of those videos that he showed him to Vince, and Vince loved it. I mean, he loved it. Dude love, and he, he, he fell in love with it. But the particular interview I want to talk about is the last one, which took place June 9th uh, on uh, Monday Night Raw. And Mankind is going to get angry at the end of this interview, and he's going to accuse JR of lying to the people and selling the idea that he liked pain. And he's hitting himself. And he's like, you think I like this? You think I like the pain that it causes me? I mean, it is 
it's rough. He knocks off. Oh, it's off raw. J- it's raw. Yeah, it's it's raw. He knocks off uh, Jr.'s cowboy hat. Uh, um, he's getting really aggressive. He drags the commentator to the ground, and he of course we get the mandible claw on Jr. And you know, um, mankind is just freaking out, and he's screaming, and the whole it's crazy, and the the muffled cries of Jr. It's really mm-hmm. tough, man. Um, but you know. <laughs> we get a funny moment where, you know, mankind gets off of him and then JR's struggling to breathe. And mankind's like, I think he's going to need some help. And it's so funny. <laughs> like, it's great. It's so I, good. <laughs> Mick Foley is, is, I mean, listen, Mick Foley is a legend oh, and God. everybody, everybody knows of, of the legend of Mick Foley. Everybody knows, yeah. but this sort of stuff right here. I think gets overlooked it's because a it's lot of people brilliant. just they remember they remember the cactus jack stuff they remember the hell in the cell this is the kind of stuff that I think people forget about and so if you don't remember what we're talking about I suggest you go back and find it because it's fantastic it's fantastic uh sports entertainment if you will it's great it it, it is so ridiculous I just love the he was going <laughs> to came into it he's, he's gonna he, need some help yeah he's just like he's gonna need some help like it's so ridiculous i oh, love yeah. it uh fun stuff anyway that happens june 9th but june 7th owen hart and bulldog are gonna win the tag team tournament and they're ready to capture the belts from stone cold who is gonna be stone cold's partner you said well it's just the man that we were just talking about because mankind is really pushing and campaigning to be Stone Cold's partner to which Stone Cold is saying that ain't happening. I don't want to be your friend and that's okay. But June, now I got to say, we get to a big, uh, um, a big match here. I say June. I wait. Oh, come on now. Oh, come on. Come on now. Oh, I was right the first time. Sorry. Uh, June 14th. I was right the first time. Uh, June 14th is going to be the debut of someone that you said that you really enjoyed that I didn't really remember a whole lot of until I looked him up in my um, in my little archives there. But it is, of course, the debut of the Patriot. Um, who was... Uh, go ahead. Go off on the this, Patriot. This, this, Patriot. Is, uh, this, is, this is... I don't want to say it's hard to talk about um, because Del Wilkes has passed away uh, right. in recent years. He was, I think I mentioned it on the show, one of the only one of the only wrestlers or wrestling storylines that my dad was interested in. That the first one being Andy Kaufman and, and Jerry the King Lawler, and then being the Patriot, Del Wilkes, because Del Wilkes uh, is one of the all-time greats in South Carolina Gamecock football history. He was one of the captains in in I believe the 70s or 80s. Uh, I've got a picture of me as a kid and then a little bit older next to his picture in our hall of captains. And I, I think it was, it was especially, and I'm, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but we kind of are. I'm sort of, I, I'm still disappointed that he never got a championship run because he was sort of over. And, and something again, that I forgot about until I watched him back was that he came out to Kurt Angle's music with his music yep. would eventually be taken by Kurt Angle. So yeah, he was, he was strong. Now, granted, he probably did some stuff to, to keep him looking that way, but he was a football player, so it's not unheard of that he's going to be this this big and this jacked 
He was a tag team champion in WCW with none other than Marcus Alexander Bagwell. So uh, the Patriot was was fantastic. I didn't know anything about him, but similar to with a, the interview series they did with, with Mick Foley here, they did sort of a, a background interview series with, with Del Wilkes, and it never showed the top of his face. It only showed, like, because he's wearing a mask, right? Right. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, so it was one of those – my dad was a, my dad hated pro wrestling. The first time he ever watched me watching pro wrestling, why are you watching this crap? It was Macho Man Randy Savage on WCW Saturday night. He's like, why are you watching this crap? You know that it's fake. I'm like nine years old. He's like, you know this is fake. Um, and so he's he's like, no son of mine's gay. <laughs> but like, no. So like when when he sees Del Wilkes on the TV, he's like, oh okay. Like this is one of those like these are one of the wrestling connections that me and my dad had, and there were very few. So, um, so I love Del Wilkes. I, I love the Patriot. I hate that I never got to meet him before uh, he passed, primarily because he fit. He, he was the best of both worlds because he, he fit in pro wrestling, which is me and my mom's thing, and he had that connection with Gamecock football. It was me and my dad's thing, and um, it was it was sort of the best of both worlds with this one guy. So, uh, pretty exciting. I, again, it might not have been the best on the mic here, but he was. Uh, he was. He was. He was a character, and considering the direction we're going, I think that you could have, you could have sort of made like, I mean, if, if they're going to make Jinder Mahal a WWE champion for a short time, they oh, could have made the Patriot here in 1997 world champion at some point. I don't think it was the time though. It just, it just couldn't be. It wasn't. It wasn't ready. I mean, Patriot wasn't. You had too much going on. You had Austin who was red hot. You still had Bret Hart. I mean, it yeah. just. It just it wasn't. It wasn't happening. You have Taker, who's your champion right now. But I actually did mess up. I will go back and and fix myself. So it wasn't June. Um, it wasn't June fourteenth that he debuted. It was actually uh, July fourteenth. I put the wrong uh, month on there. July fourteenth is when um, the Patriot debuted, and that's actually after Canadian Stampede that we're going to get to here in a minute. I want to mention June thirtieth. Get back on track here. June thirtieth. Um, is when we finally hear that I've spoiled twice. Uh, we finally hear that Kane is alive. We have Vader taking on Rockabilly. That's super fun. Um, and here comes the Undertaker for the DQ in about 20 seconds. That's pretty much the match. He takes care of Vader, and then he threatens Paul Bearer that he needs to tell the truth. He's pumbling, um, pumbling Paul Bearer. He's choking him. And that's when we hear Paul Bearer finally say that Kane told him what to say and that Kane's alive. Kane's alive, Undertaker. I swear it. Kane's alive. I swear. <laughs> and he gets more and more punches, and then finally, Vader. Or finally, Taker stops. He's shocked. Vader saves Bear, uh, Paul Bear, for more punches, and takes Paul Bear out of there. Um. So we hear that Kane's alive, and we're getting a lot of whispers of, "What do you mean he's alive? Kane's alive." But then he's coming. When is he coming? Is he going to come at the next pay-per-view? Because that's what we're going to get to right now is Canadian Stampede. Now, Canadian Stampede is a fantastic pay-per-view that took place in Canada. So, of course, you're going to have the Hart Foundation, I mean, just roaring all over that crowd. It's amazing. It took place July 6th. Now we're getting into July. My apologies. Uh, now we're getting into July. But July 6th, 97, attendance of about 13,000 for Canadian Stampede. Um, I'm going to talk about some just some um, highlights here. With Triple H feuding with Mankind um, at, since their King of the Ring finals match, uh, you're going to see a lot of that, including um, 
<laughs> well, including introduction of introduction of two new characters, one having to do with Stone Cold and the other one having to do with uh, Hunter Hearst Townsend that we'll get to later on. I want to talk about this. Uh, the great Sasuke is here to take on Taka Mijinoku in a 10-minute match. I went back and rewatched that match because I forgot how uh, that match was even on this pay-per-view. And that is one of the better light heavyweight matches of the late 90s. And I recommend you go back and, and check it out, too. It's the great. Uh, what's the the? It's I know I know Taka Michinoku. Yeah, it's, uh, the the great Sasuke. Who's the great Sasuke? Why do I? I just did he, he have a? Did he have more of a run in WWE than this? No, he was mostly in New Japan for wrestling. He was an uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, uh, Junior Heavyweight or Tag Team Champion with uh, Ju Juice and Thunder Liger. He was the NWA Junior Heavyweight. NW. I mean, yeah, he he was he was really good. If you don't know a whole lot about uh, oh, Great wow. Sasuke, definitely look him up. He he did a lot for uh, Michinoku Pro Wrestling. Ironically, taking on Taki Michinoku here, um, he he was only a light heavyweight champion in WWF like twice, maybe. Um, so he was well, under contract with WWF here. He was not New Japan on loan just to get some some light heavyweight stuff over in WWE, was he? Um, if you yes, don't know the answer, I, I put you on the spot with the question. Yes, yes, and no. Um, he he actually he made a pair of appearances uh, for ECW in February '97, but in July, uh, him and Taka did you know he wrestled a couple matches with WWF and. One of them that I just mentioned is Canadian Stampede, uh, but he did not sign with WWF. Uh, it was actually Michinoku who ended up signing. Um, uh, so he was he was sort of a free agent, kind of kind of testing testing the waters to yes. see if he could sign somewhere in, in America. Okay, that's a pretty cool. Again, going back to 1997, this sort of stuff wasn't talked about a lot. No. Uh, so this is kind of a cool story here. So I'm I'm gonna have to go back and watch that match. Yeah, that match is insane. I love it. But what match was not insane was uh, The Undertaker, who is still your WWF champion, uh, taking on Vader, uh, who defeated him in a very rough 12-minute match. Of course, we're still pushing the Kane story here. There's uh, some outside interference with him going after... Um, uh, with him going after uh, Paul Bearer. Paul Bearer yeah. uh, we get a tomb yeah, Tombstone Paul Driver to get a pin. Uh, for the WWF champion, um, and before the main event, I want to mention that there's a there's a band or some sort of country music group called Farmer's Daughter, and they perform O Canada, um, and then we get the main event. The main event sees one of the uh, coolest... real quick before you yeah. go on. O Canada might be outside of the, and this is you know I'm going to get canceled outside of the 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 American national anthem. The Canadian national anthem, oh, uh, oh Canada, is is one of my like favorite national anthems in in all the world. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful song. If if just just kind of wanted to throw that out there. I know you you mentioned them singing it, but it's uh, I know you used to have the Quebecers or the I forgot what they called them in WCW. They would come out and sing it, and they would just make a mockery of it. But yeah, good stuff here. I just wanted to derail the show for a for a couple seconds. Okay, the Heart Foundation. <laughs> uh, Screw you, PJ. I <laughs> want a dick. <laughs> oh, I hate the, you. The Heart Foundation is going to come out to a roaring crowd <laughs> after the O Canada, which is Frick's favorite national anthem oh. besides the American one, I guess. Uh, the Heart Foundation is going to be a, comprised, of, obviously, of Bret Hart, Brad Pillman, British Bulldog, Jim Neidhart, and Owen Hart. Let's talk about that for two seconds. Do you not? Do you, hold on. Do you not have an opinion of, of the national anthem, like at all? Like you're a musician, do you not think that "Oh Canada" is a fantastic song? 
I've never thought. You've never about thought it. about it. Never thought about it. I mean, do you do you think about the American national anthem at all? Like when you hear I tr- it, I, I try not to. I mean, I just I'm just curious, man. Like, I don't know. Like, you made me feel like such an idiot just now, so I had to bring it up. Like, you never just sat and listened. Like, man, yeah, this is this is kind of. If I was Canadian, this would be a moving song. But oh, you know, Canada, but, we stand our guard uh, on guard. We stand on guard for thee, oh Canada. We stand on guard for thee. Great prairie spread and lordy oh, rivers flow from east to western sea. The true north, strong and free, oh Canada. Glorious free, oh Canada. We stand on guard. We stand on guard for thee. Well, it's very repetitive. I can tell you that. Um, it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot more it's, simple than our, there's than our not, anthem. There's not more. I mean, again, so you're, you're reading the words. It's like if you're reading Shakespeare and you're reading the words like verb, like just off the page. Like, uh, I'm, I'm, I can't think of any any Shakespearean. I mean, obviously you've got the uh, oh oh Romeo oh, I, Romeo. I like, like this one. I don't know who wrote this, but it's just randomly on here. But it says, "Oh Canada, you're really good at hockey. You like back bacon and syrup from a tree. The maple leaf is on your flag, and you wear toques all day long." It's really cold in Canada where polar bears belong. Some of you speak French. Some of you do not. Oh, Canada. That's pretty funny. That is that is kind of funny. But nevertheless, I've derailed the show enough with the Canadian National Anthem that you have no no opinion one way or the other about it. So let's oh, I have, an, I, have an, I have an opinion on it, but, you know, it's, just, yeah. it's a family show here. Um, they're going to take on the team of Stone Cold Steve Austin, the Legion of Doom, Gold, oh, this is Gold Dust and Ken Shamrock. This is what I wanted to get to with the Hart Foundation. How sad it is that the Bret Hart's the only one left living of that that five man team. That's sad. That's that's awful. I mean, there's I mean, yeah, you there was the picture after after Jim Neidhart died that it was yep, like all of them yep. in the ring, but they, everybody was like grayed out except for Bret Hart. That's that, just I came uh, up on my on my memories the other day. You know, it's it, it is terrible. The the tragedy of Brian Pillman, obviously. Owen Hart, I mean, a terrible, awful tragedy. It's all tragedy. It's all awful. British Bulldog. But, you know, Nightheart, man, that came so unexpected. Uh, I guess they all came unexpected. Well, yeah, Nightheart Nightheart and – I'm not trying to outweigh one. I'm just saying, like, man, that that really – Well, both both Nightheart and and Roddy Piper was a cousin, and they both died so tragically and unexpectedly. Uh, uh, Roddy Piper died of an aneurysm. That had you know had they checked it they probably could have you know they could have fixed it and, and he got a little little longer and then Neidhart just fell he just yeah. fell at home hit his head and and uh, and it never never came back from it just I mean I think I want to say the same thing happened to Dusty Rhodes I was just mistaken. gonna say that that was just gonna say that did you ever hear the nine one one call with Dusty Rhodes' wife and the dispatcher just like like wasting time, like telling her to like calm uh, down and like, yeah, it's hard to watch. It's hard to listen to. Uh, um, no. You know, I watch that every once in a while when I'm, when I'm trying to, you know, feel some feelings, I'll watch the Dusty Rhodes tribute thing that WWE did. They play that awful song. Um, it's, I don't know what pop musician is doing it, but it's like, um, uh, we talked about this the other day off the air. You, you messaged it to me. Yeah, I don't know why yeah. I was. Why, I don't know why I got caught up watching Hollywood. You, wanted, you pieces, wanted to draw some tears out of your face. I think I did. I just wanted to get some emotion. But I hate that song. But God, that that uh, that tribute and the compilation is just so fantastic. You know, my hand reaching out, grabbing. Oh, it's amazing. Anyway, your, you know, yeah. you mentioned mentioning those videos. I love the Ultimate Warrior tribute video after he passed away. Even though I couldn't stand the Ultimate Warrior. His tribute video and the Macho Man Randy Savage tribute video yeah. are my I, my 
the three of those are just are are, are top notch. Piper's was really great too. You know, I, I really like that. And there's a part in the Piper tribute when you mentioned him. Vince is like, how low he you know, Vince used to have that late night talk show BS thing. And Vince is like, how low can you go? And Piper's like, I came on the show, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, good Man, God. Piper was anyway, so good. Anyway, um, the Heart Foundation take on Ken Shamrock, Goldust, Legion or Doom, of course, Hawk and Animal, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. This match, if you don't remember this match, definitely go back and watch it. It is so I mean, it's so well put together. It's a great 10-man match. So you've got a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of interference there. And you've got some blind tags, things like that. It is so fantastic. Of course, we get um, Owen Hart got the pin, which is great. Via a roll-up after all the members from the Hart Foundation started attacking Stone Cold. After the match, the entire Hart family gets into the ring and they celebrate with the Hart Foundation. It is a great day to be a Canadian uh, in that arena when that is happening. I mean, I would sing O Canada right there because, as you said, it is your second favorite national anthem. Um, (laughs) So so real quick before we move on, like something that you haven't really mentioned was that obviously the Hart Foundation – are heels. They're they're bad guys in America. They're doing the, yes. the anti-American, yeah. the anti-American promos and this, that, and the other. And so when you're in the United States and having this match, they're getting booed out the building. Oh, but this is this yeah. is the first time that I ever remember, and that I that I can ever remember somebody going in as like diehard baby faces into another country and getting booed out of the arena. I mean, the Hart family, the Hart Foundation were heroes on this night. And the Canadians were absolutely loving it. For some reason, it was just there was a there was a, a triggered Canadian population that was like, you know what? Finally, somebody's saying about how crappy America is. Go Canada, like oh Canada, whatever. Uh, you know, it, they were just they were so patriotic and proud thanks to this storyline. And I don't think we'll ever see anything like this again. This was fantastic storytelling. The fact that you could go from one country to another. And the, the, the baby faces and the heels would literally flip-flop based on where you were. Not not today, where the fans are just going to cheer for who they want to because they know who's talented, whatever the case is. This was a fan base, a country that rallied behind the Hart Foundation and absolutely despised everybody from America. It was fantastic. It really and was. I don't think it'll ever be replicated again. I loved it. And we even get some guy like at the end with Stone Cold coming back afterwards by himself. And getting attacked by the Hart family as the Canadian crowd is just chanting, Austin sucks, which he's the most hot guy right now in, yeah. in America. And Austin would get handcuffed by security for some reason, and be, and he's forced to the back. Um, God, this match is great. This whole pay-per-view is really good. This is one of the ones, man, where they, they got it right. WWF 97 got Canadian Stampede right. It was fantastic. Let's talk about some aftermath. So... Stone Cold's feud with Bret Hart is pretty much going to end after Canadian Stampede, but he's going to start a feud with Owen Hart uh, pretty much the night after attacking him uh, while he was singing the Canadian National Anthem. Um, this is going to lead to, uh, of course, the title match at SummerSlam. We're going to get to that later on. I don't know if we're going to get to that in this episode. We still have so much to talk about, but we're going to push forward because I know you guys have been wanting to hear SummerSlam 97. There's so much that happens. It's amazing. Uh, okay, here we go. So uh, the night after... Uh, Canadian Stampede. We're going to get to July 7th. July 7th is where finally um, 
as I mentioned earlier, I got my dates mixed up. So July 7th is when uh, Owen Hart and Bulldog are going to win the tag tournament, and they're trying to get the titles from Stone Cold. Of course, I mentioned Mankind is campaigning to be Stone Cold's partner. July 14th is the Patriot uh, debut. I really want to talk about this. I know you already said your piece about the Patriot. I'm not going to make you repeat it, although I should just because it's me who messed up, uh, and I have to bl- I have to blame it on you. But uh, we, we got uh, Takamine Shinoku also taking on Yushihiro Tajiri, who, uh, you know, we're going to see Tajiri uh, a lot more in the, I guess, the early 2000s uh, WWF. But before that, he's going to hit ECW in 1999, which is super fun there. Um, also, I want to talk about, uh, we talk about the Patriot debut. We're gonna also going to talk about a hard-hitting match between Ken Shamrock and Jim Neidhart. It only goes four minutes. It's a weird finish when David Boy runs out and attacks Shamrock. Um, yeah, it's still really great, but then that's when you get the Patriot who runs down for the save and gives both Nightheart and Bulldog. Do you remember his his finishing move? No, I. For some reason, I thought it was like a spinning power bomb. That can't be it. It's uh the uncle, <laughs> the uncle slam. It's just like a power slam. Yeah. Oh, like the Bulldogs the, running power it's, slam. It's the uncle slam. <laughs> Oh man, they did him dirty. Oh god. They should have you know what? They, they should have given they should have given the page because this was Diamond Dallas Page was in WCW and this is right peak popularity. They should have given the Patriot the diamond cutter. They called it yeah. could have called it the Patriot Cutter, the uh, the um I don't I don't know. I, we can we can come up with something better for the name of it, but they should have given him the diamond cutter. Uh yeah, uh sure. Uh yeah, I agree with that actually. That's not bad. Um now we get to the big tag team match here where we have Owen Hart versus and Davey Boy Smith versus Stone Cold and a mystery partner for the vacant WWF tag team titles. Now they keep saying vacant, but Stone Cold technically has the belts. I mean, he does and he doesn't. I, it's it's weird. Austin comes out alone, as he said all along, that he didn't mind doing it by himself. He wanted to handle it. Um, brawling with both Owen and Bulldog until he tries to sharpshoot on Owen. Submission in a handicap match is just stupid. It was silly, but still fun. Finally, uh, <laughs> Vince comes out and informs us that Austin's partner has arrived, and we cut. <laughs> oh, oh this is this Here is one go. of the great promos of all time. We cut to the backstage area, but all we see is a pair of white boots and some blue tights, and there's also a little drum beat going over the PA system. We get a commercial, okay. In the ring, Austin's drilled with a belly-to-belly by Owen. The heat segment continues until Austin's able to clean house on the two uh, Heart Foundation members. Austin's waiting for them in the ring. And then a mankind, man, the mankind, excuse me, mankind appears in the Titantron. He's acting completely different. He's wearing tie-dye with some John Lennon glasses. He doesn't blame Austin for not wanting to team with that freak mankind. <laughs> but how about teaming with the hippest cat in the land? Dude, love, and he's coming to save the day. Ow, have, have mercy. mercy. And out oh, comes yeah. Dude, love. We get the Patriot and Dude, love debuting on the same night. That is July 14th, not June 14th, you stupid idiot, Steven. I don't know. If you know <laughs> that. that still bothers me that I messed that up. I have so many dates here. Mm. You can see my papers. It's insane. I'm not organized. Um, Dude, love comes out. And Austin does all he can do to keep from laughing. He tags Dude Love. And against Owen, Dude hits him with a running knee in the corner. He asks Steve if he wants a tag, but he's not ready. He t- <laughs> Dude slips out of the running powerbomb position and locks in the mandible claw. Owen's going to break it up with a missile drop kick. The ref is busy with Owen, and Austin's going to sneak in. 
and deliver a killer. Uh, Stone Cold Stunner to Bulldog. Dude's going to lay on top. Dude gets the cover here in 7 minutes and 38 seconds for the 1-2-3. It's the summer of love, and we've got new tag team champions, said how, JR. How about Mick Foley and, man, and, and Dude Love still rocking the mandible claw like glove, but just it's tie-dye now. Like he's still he's still rocking like he's only got one finger in the middle of his hand. It's fantastic. Oh, it's brilliant. I it's love awesome. it. This I mean, this crowd popped, by the way. And yeah. it's, it's interesting that when Austin and Michaels won the tag team champion, it was Austin who gave uh Sean Sean who gave Austin the assist with the sweet chin music to Bulldog. But afterwards, a couple chicks swarm dude love as Austin hands him a belt. That's a very fun moment. It's a very memorable moment in 97. I remember it to this day where Mick Foley is just sitting there with these two girls and then Stone Cold hands him the belt. And it's just like, man, you got, I mean, what's what was your, go ahead. No, what, what was your favorite move hit by, by dude love? My favorite, what? His favorite move, the favorite move that he did. Oh, the um, the dancing, the dancing thing with his knees, the the, the hands and the knees. I just no, it was it was to me it was the sweet shin music. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, I misunderstood yeah. you. I misunderstood you. Oh, you yes. thought like moves? I was talking about what about his dance? No, I'm talking about his like his actual wrestling moves. The sweet shin music was the fantastic. sweet shin music. Well, he always wanted to be Shawn Michaels. He said that. Yeah. But what what a way to send the crowd hold uh, the crowd home happy here, dude. Love Stone Cold, your new tag team champions. I love it. I think it was super fun. Uh, we're gonna skip ahead here to July 21st. July 21st is uh, another Monday Night Raw heading towards SummerSlam. Uh, we get a great interview here with Shawn Michaels, who is apparently still injured, but is able to do a backflip off the turnbuckle. Uh, he's got a knee injury, supposedly. Um, this is another example of Shawn Michaels just working the boys. I am I right? Um, yeah. I mean, again, we, we've talked about it plenty of times on the show. He didn't want to do the job for Bret Hart. And so, you know, fast forward, and here we are. He's, he's not hurt at all. He's just, you know, maybe he's lost his smile. I, I, I wish I, – I, maybe, maybe that was a real thing, and, and he's, he found it and be able to backflip. I'm not, I'm not sure. But um, Sean okay, wasn't easy it. to work with during this, this time frame. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. Well, it is what it is when we get the Patriots' very first match, and it is July 21st, like I mentioned, and it's against Hunter Hearst Helmsley, who wins via DQ. Uh, your first match out, and you get a DQ. Not too bad. Uh, I want to talk about this match here, a triple threat tag team match between the Godwins, the new Blackjacks, who's uh, Bradshaw and Wyndham. What a, what a team there. Um, and the Headbangers. This match is really well done, uh, actually. And uh, I highly recommend going back and watching that as random as that is. I got to be honest with you. It's super fun. Uh, and I, again, just what some of the, one of those small matches in there that, um, kind of leave you not remembering it, but it only lasts about five minutes, but it's still really good. Um, anyway, moving on, uh, Goldust is going to take on for root in a decent match, about three minute match, just a little filler match. Um, the nation of domination seems to be quieted down since, uh, King of the ring. And we have Ahmed Johnson's injury, uh, of course, um, I want to talk about, uh, the main event, which is the flag match, whatever, what's your favorite flag match? Uh, the Undertaker, Stone Cold, and Dude Love is going to take on David Boy Smith, Brett, and Owen. Uh, the match lasts a good bit. They get plenty of time here with 12 minutes. And uh, 
So there's a choke slam for David Boy. He's going to uh, attempt to tombstone. Uh, Undertaker is. Bret Hart's going to nail him from behind to break it up. They get into a little bit of some fisticuffs. Uh, there's a double KO spot. And Undertaker's going to sit up, but uh, Owen slows him back down. Now Bret and Taker race for their flags. Uh, Brian Pillman comes out of nowhere and stops Undertaker from grabbing his flag, making it easy for Bret to capture the Canadian flag for the win. Um, you know, the match, or excuse me, the, the crowd is still hot for this match. Uh, it's not a bad match. I don't like flag matches, but the action in this, in this match is not bad. Skipping ahead here, we're going to get to July 28th. This is the go-home edition of uh, Monday Night Raw right before um, SummerSlam. So we get a few. So we get a, a few matches here, uh, but it's actually a really packed Raw. And some of these Raws you look at and you're like, man, that's a lot of matches. And you look at Raws now, and it's like, you know, there's maybe three or four matches with interviews and things like that. This mat, this particular Raw here, was packed with so many matches. Uh, just to uh, just a little bit of a reminder: Undertaker's your World Champion, Owen Hart's your Intercontinental Champion. Uh, British Bulldogs are European champion. Of course, Steve Austin, Drew Lever, still your tag champions. Um, Legion of Doom is going to take on Sabia Vega and Miguel uh, per Perez. Yes, Perez, excuse me. Uh, Hunter Hearns Helmsley with China is, is going to take on Vader with Paul Bearer. Paul Bearer still being with Vader, obviously. And yeah, it's no match. Mankind's disguised as a cameraman, steals a camera, and then beats up Hunter Hearst Helmsley. And Mankind manages to fight out and chase Hemsley through the crowd. And to this point, you got to wonder, why keep Vader? Name recognition, I guess. Uh, preventing him from going back to WCW. I mean, I know he left WCW on less than great terms, but he's got some drawing power. I just, I, I don't know. I mean... We'll know what happens with him later later in his WWE career about the way he exits WWE, but you got to think it's just literally just to keep him away from somewhere else. Yeah, you look at this and you're just like, man, what are we doing here? Uh, I, I also want to mention that we get another debut here. Uh, well, we get a vignette, actually. Brackus coming soon. Man, that that worked out. Uh, but we get, another, uh, we get another debut here, the Truth Commission. And the Truth Commission is a, is a group made out of the Interrogator, who is Kurgan, Sniper, and Recon, who Recon is going to turn out to be oh, Bull, yeah. uh, Bull Buchanan is going to be that. And they take on Jesse James, Flash Funk, and Bob Holly, a little three-minute match. Um, Real yeah. quick, they're led, by, they're led by a guy named Jackal, who yes, Jackal. is, who uh, is Cyrus, uh, Cyrus i.e., uh, what is Don Callis? Yes. Yep. Cyrus, so they, uh, well, yeah, he was also Cyrus in ECW as well. Yep. Uh, he yeah, was he was the, Cyrus. He was the guy that ran the network. Yeah, he and, was the network guy, yeah. And and this is this is him when he still had really, really long hair. So it's it's funny to look back. Oh, my God, that's Don Callis. It's fantastic. I love it. Uh, we get Crush taking on Farouk. Of course, as you remember, uh, Crush is kicked out of the Nation of Nomination and starts the Disciples of Apocalypse. Uh, and then, of course, um, uh, Savio Vega starts... Is it Los Barricas? Los Barricas. Barricas. Thank you very much. I still probably can't get it right, but that's okay. Um, the first match of the War Zone, uh, Stone Cold and Dude Love are going to take on the Godwins for the Tag Team Champions. Of course, we're going to get... Um, uh, going over Stone Cold and Dude Love, you know, you, what do you expect? 
Um, Goldust is going to take on Rockabilly. Bret Hart versus the Patriot. Now, I want to talk about this one uh, because we get Bret Hart doing double duty uh, on this night. So Bret Hart's going to take on uh, the Patriot. Everyone shows Bret Hart respect. They play the Canadian National Anthem. That's Frick's second favorite National Anthem, by the way, if you didn't hear. Uh, I'm never going to leave it down now. This is just part of my personality at this point. I think it is. Uh, After Bret Hart beats and chokes the Patriot down in the corner, he's going to rally back, deliver a Patriot missile, missile, Patriot missile, um, for a kick out. We get commercials when we come at. Bret's in control. Uh, Bret tries to deliver the Uncle Slam. (laughs) That move. Uh, real quick near the corner, Bret Hart's going to bounce on the turbo because they both fall backwards onto the referee. We get a ref bump here. Bret's going to shake Hebner a little bit, give her a cover, but Sean's going to sneak in and pull Bret Hart off the pin. <laughs> and Bret's rightfully pissed. Bret's going to yell at Sean from inside the ring, and Patriot's going to schoolboy Bret Hart for the one, two, three. Let's go. That's oh, certainly a win stuff. that Bret Hart needed to gain. HBK is going to stand on the announce table, provoking Bret. And referees and agents try to keep Brett at bay as the Undertaker music plays throughout the arena. There's plenty of fog, but we get no Undertaker to close out the program. Wow. If you don't know, that interview with HBK where he does the backflip, not only does he do the backflip and he talks about you know the injury and all that, he talks about something very important. This is the go-home edition. Well, the last, the 21st is when he did the backflip, but he talks about being the referee. For Bret Hart and The Undertaker at SummerSlam for the WWF Champion. And he says he's going to call it right down the middle. Boy, howdy, I could trust that as far as I could throw him. Right down the middle, huh? Can Sean do anything right down the middle here in 97? Ooh, if you put him in the middle of a bunch of different women, he'd probably give right down the middle. I don't know. I mean, that was, this was a weird time for Shawn Michaels. So, I uh, I wish I had a better answer than that. No, it's a, it's a fantastic answer. It's an answer that I would have expected from someone who thinks that the O Canada is the second best um, national anthem. PJ, I'm going to give you some sweet shin music the next time I see you. You ain't never going to see me again, although we did. Come, come to New Mexico. I, listen, I got a free place to stay now. If you're telling me to come stay and stay with you in New Mexico, I'll, maybe I'll make the trip. You can, you can stay with me anytime. You should well, go to uh, you should go to WrestleCade and uh, what's the Salem in November? I'm had, thinking about going. I don't know if I'm gonna go. We've had that conversation. It sucks that they do it on the same weekend as Thanksgiving, i.e., Carolina Clemson weekend. And oh, as someone who doesn't understand sports, uh, like like you per se, um, doesn't doesn't understand how how good it is. PJ, this has been a fantastic show. Um, we yeah, are, we, we are, are headed running, towards we are running SummerSlam. On it. We're, guys, we are still not gonna get to SummerSlam. I'm so sorry, but guys. I promise you the next 97 that we get to, uh, we're going to we're gonna start it off with SummerSlam. There's nothing else to do. We just did the go-home edition. Uh, but, guys, I, we don't want to rush this either. We're having so, I'm having so much fun. I I'm having a blast. Well. And I hope you guys are, too, going some, through some nostalgic with us um, to look at, you know, one of my favorite times in pro wrestling history, which is 1997. Uh, we're going to get started right with SummerSlam. Just a little recap of what we talked about here. We talked about a fantastic interview with JR and Mankind. Of course, Mankind uh, turns or, you know, beats up JR. We get the mission of Dude Love. Um, can we hear that Kane's alive on the June 30th Raw? Canadian Stampede, fantastic pay per view. Um, July 7th uh, is when we get finally um, Owen Hart and Bulldog winning the tag tournament, ready to capture the belts from Stone Cold. Mankind's wanting to pick me, pick me, pick me. And then the next uh, Raw, June 14th, we get the Patriot debut 
the second best person to have Kurt Angle's theme song. Uh, we get Dude Love debut, winning the tag team championships with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Beautiful moment. Uh, July 21st is when we find out that HBK, Shawn Michaels, will be the referee at SummerSlam for Bret Hart and uh, Undertaker's title match. That could go, you know, just well. Uh, and at the go-home edition, we have Patriot getting a win over Bret Hart uh, with the help of Shawn Michaels because he just said he could call it right down the middle. Um, that is our go-home edition, and it's going to end with Undertaker what Undertaker's music and the fog and all that, but we don't actually see the Undertaker just playing some mind games with Bret Hart. We're going to get right into SummerSlam, ladies and gentlemen. I promise you the next um, show that we do for 97, we're going to get right into it. Um, SummerSlam 1997, where no pun intended, things are indeed going to be heating up there. Yeah, listen, uh, WWE SummerSlam 1997 was the first time my mom ever bought me uh, a pay-per-view. So it was the first pay-per-view I ever got to watch live. Um, it was a it was a fantastic pay per view, and I'm glad that we're not rushing it this week, so that we can really get dive into it and, and more with WWF 97. PJ, this has been a fantastic episode. We're we're past time, so thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, thanks for for everything that PJ d- did for the show with the G1 climax, the WWF uh, part you know part four 1997. Really good stuff from PJ Steven. Uh, hopefully you all join us later on in the week where. Banker Bill and I are going to be talking, recapping some preseason football here out of the NFL, uh, talking some more fantasy football talk. I don't know. Make sure you go to social media on Tapouts and TDs on Twitter, facebook.com slash tapouts and touchdowns. Let us know if there's somebody you want us to cover when it comes to talking fantasy football or anything in general. Make sure you catch the Cat Cave, part of the uh, Fans First Sports Network and the Keep Pounding Podcast Network where, where Michael Davis and myself are going to be talking Carolina Panthers. And we actually have a game to recap as the Panthers fell to the Jets in preseason week one. So we're going to be talking about that. Uh, but make sure you join us on both on, on, on both of those shows. Uh, but for us tonight, thank you, PJ Steven, for PJ Steven. It's your guy, Bully Rye, and we'll see you next time right here on Tap House and Touchdowns. <laughs>